But first up on today's show, Windsor author Casey Plett's latest novel, A Dream of a Woman, explores the search for love and companionship in today's world, often through the lens of transgender characters. Plett is transgender herself and wrote about her experience transitioning in a regular column for McSweeney's. Her new novel has been long-listed for the Giller Prize, a Canadian literary competition. A Dream of a Woman is out now. I spoke with Plett about how she discovered her passion for writing and how growing up in a small rural town in Manitoba influenced her work. I spent most of my childhood in a small town uh, that was largely a Mennonite community, yes. And when I say Mennonite community, I mean, we were also pretty assimilated. So, you know, there's plenty of people in that community who wear the traditional dress and that kind of thing. But um, my childhood wasn't exactly around like that, although I was surrounded by a lot of those people. Um, but yeah, that was Morden, Manitoba, a town of 5,000 people in the Canadian prairies. Was writing something that came uh, into your life later on, or was it a talent that you found as a, as a young adult? Or was it something you were drawn to from a pretty young age? Yeah, I was, you know, I was, um, uh, when I was a kid, I mean, my, my parents, you know, they were newly divorced, they were working all the time, I, I was an only child, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't really make a lot of friends easily. So I was, I, I read a lot, I was, books were always sort of my thing, I was, I was alone a lot, and I read a lot. And from the very, from when I was, gosh, I want to say, like, like elementary school, I was, I was always writing, I was always trying to write stuff. And I thought maybe I could be a writer. Um, and uh, and I was lucky enough that when I when I grew up, I kept at it and now it turned out to be true. I'm a writer. So growing up in such a small town, I, I think it's easy to feel like getting out uh, and into the broader world can be pretty daunting. Uh, did you look to your writing as something that would offer you opportunities uh, to leave where you grew up? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty isolated landscape in that way. You know, the uh, the nearest city, uh, city of Winnipeg, by the way, second coldest city in the world. You can look it up. Uh, the nearest city was an hour and a half drive away. And there are three count them three towns on that drive between where I lived, uh, where I lived in the city. Hour and a half drive, three towns along the way. So, yeah, it wasn't uh, weren't a lot of people around there. How did growing up in that environment influence you as an author? Gosh, I mean, I think it gave me you know, a lot of imagination. I was very, um, I was very fortunate in that, you know, my, I was always encouraged to read and I was always allowed to read stuff kind of whenever, whenever I wanted. Um, there were um, other stuff, you know, like movies and music. My parents weren't always, uh, didn't always let me uh, see or read that stuff and didn't always have the money for them, but books were always okay. That was important to them. So I'm very, I'm very grateful for that. And then also, um, I moved. I moved around a lot, in, both in my, as a as a kid and in my adult life. You know, I've lived in Winnipeg. I've lived in Toronto. I've lived in Portland, Oregon. I've lived in New York. Of course, uh, lived in Windsor, as I do now. And I like to think that's given me sort of perspective on how a lot of these places are different, and how a lot sometimes people are are not so different across very different types of towns and cities. You've used Canada as a setting for some of your stories, uh, and you've also written nonfiction for many magazines and literary outlets, uh, including a regular column that you wrote for about 10 years for McSweeney's, uh, which was documenting your personal experience transitioning. Uh, it was sharing those details and that personal journey publicly uh, as it was happening intimidating for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the McSweeney's column you referenced, I started that, it's, gosh, it's been over a decade since I, since I began that. And it was very terrifying at the time. I thought like, oh man, what am I doing? Like, I can't, you know, uh, this is so personal. This is so intimate. I can't believe I'm about to, to share this with the world. You know, people seem to respond to it, both people who are also trans like me and connected to it and then people who weren't. And I think I've just tried to kind of, uh, hold that over time and think you know even if it's scary or if it's intimate or if it seems a little too weird or a little too sad that you know maybe other people are are there out there connecting with it and maybe it's worthwhile putting it out there for this book right now a dream of a woman i was specifically thinking about partnership like love and romance uh which you know maybe sounds a little cheesy but it's true you know i was thinking you know i was thinking of things like what happens if you never end up with a long-term partner what happens if you never have kids what happens if you have a connection with someone but you're no longer romantically intertwined and you know i think that we're um those questions like that, you know, they were on my mind. And I, I thought, you know, I think that we're starting to ask those questions in North America uh, for like white cisgender heterosexual women. Um, and so I was, I, a lot of the germ of this book came like, well, what do those, what might those questions might look like for trans women, trans women like myself? What would those questions look like? And that led me to write a lot of the, a lot of the stories in the current book. Go into that a little more. How did you explore that in the book? And who are some of the characters uh, you've created who are on that search for companionship? When I began writing this book, I had just moved back into a house into uh, a house with my ex, who's currently, I would say, like one of my best friends. Her name is Sybil Lamb. Have to give her a shout out. A uh, Sybil Lamb artist, also in Windsor, also did the cover for this book, actually. And there's no, you know, none of the characters in this book are based off her, but definitely her and I's continuing um, sort of partnership in that lowercase p sense of the word sort of drove me to ask these questions. Like, well, how do we, uh, how do you build these communities and lives for yourself? if the, the sort of nuclear family uh, path maybe doesn't look like it's gonna, doesn't look like it's gonna happen for you. It's possible, but what does that look like? Yeah, again, that's what led me full on into the book. So in the first story, Hazel and Christopher, there is this woman who ends up in a relationship with one of her childhood best friends. And it really nourishes her and sort of rejuvenates her. She was in this dark place and this relationship sort of breathes new life into her. The relationship doesn't last. And I won't say why, because I can't, you know, I can't spoil my own book. But at the end of the story, she's still like, well, this still sort of got, this still did something for me. This still did something for my life. It reoriented my life in a good way. And I don't have to lose that. Or for example, there is... Uh, a story called Rose City, City of Roses, which uh, is, takes place in Windsor, as the title might, might lead you to believe. And in that story, there's a woman named Nicole who reunites with an old lover of hers who she hasn't seen with a decade for a decade. And there is this question of whether they are going to get back together. And they don't, but yet this woman appearing in Nicole's life still manages to push her forward in life and manages to lead her to conclusions that sort of lead her further on on an emotionally satisfying path as an adult. It's not as simple as like, oh, these people break up and then things are a mess. Or these people get together and then they're less lonely. It's not as, it's not as simple as that. This is your second novel, but the first you've published of all short stories. What does that format and, and some of the creative restrictions of short fiction, uh, what does that offer you as an author? 
Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, I think the thing I love about short stories with a short story collection is you sort of get to have it both ways. Because in a short story, you can leave a lot of stuff out and you don't have to answer everything and you don't have to uh, you don't have to wrap everything up, you know, short stories are kind of you drop into a situation or people for a little while, you spend some time with them, and then you're out. Uh, whereas a novel, I think you tend to have to grapple more with what, what you're going to wrap up, what you're not. Uh, it's a bigger, right? But with a short story collection, you can treat it sort of like, like an album, or I like to think of as like a, maybe a TV show where these stories are different episodes, where the story collection builds to something as a whole, and you can move the pieces around, and you can use characters to make a point here, and use other characters to make a point here. So yeah, I don't know. I think with short story collections, you kind of get to have your cake and eat it too. If there's any struggling writers out there who are trying to figure out how to write a book, I recommend writing a short story collection. It's great. Do you have a do you have a personal uh, favorite story in the book that's really stuck with you? Yeah, I would say probably the story Enough Trouble. It's based off a small town in the Canadian prairies, like the small town I grew up in. And there is this uh, transgender woman who is coming back to her hometown. She grew up there. Uh, she is struggling with uh, alcohol addiction. She uh, is pretty broke. She makes a living through sex work. And she's in love with this other woman who is not from this town, but has strangely ended up moving there. And she's going back to this town to basically try to shack up with this lover. And there's the question like, what's going to happen in her life? What's going to happen to this girl? Uh, it's called Enough Trouble. And I, it's the, and I think those two women in that story, Jenna and Ava, I feel, I feel very much a way about them. I think, I think I like that story the best. It's funny that this book is coming out and I have been, these characters have been in my head and you know, on my computer for so long that one of the most exciting things about the book coming out is like, oh gosh, like other people are gonna get to meet these characters. I wonder what they'll think about them. It's almost kind of like getting to introduce your friends to someone new, you know, like, man, I wonder I wonder how people are gonna, gonna think about Gemma or I wonder what whether people will like Hazel or not. Cool, it's a very gratifying and it's a very humbling experience.